This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. You will. You know, God is taking us and moving us into another form. We, we're going to, we're going to, because of in my prayer time and seeking God, we're going to pause for just a minute. Well, God, but when I say pause, all the tools that He's given you, He expects you to be using them. He expecting you to, He's, uh, He expects you to do everything that you're supposed to do. But now, we're going to, because of the times that we in, God says, I need to make sure that they understand what this preparation is all about. So, if you will, if you want to name this series, let's call it Preparation for the End Time. Preparation for the end times. And we are truly in it. I'm not saying that, that the, the world is coming to an end. I said the end times. The end times. We've been in the end times actually since Jesus left. But we're in the latter part of the end times. And this morning we're going to, we're going to dive into some things. We're going to see what God is speaking to our hearts. So listen attentively. Listen attentively. Submit fully after you hear it, and conform completely. Make sure that you're saying, okay, I'm going to conform to this. I'm going to submit to it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you don't like it, if you do like it. It doesn't matter if you're offended. You get knocked the fences off and just receive what the Word of God is saying to you. Amen? I believe that in God's next move, that and because He's doing a new thing, and He's told us that since a couple of years uh, now, that He's doing a new thing, and He's establishing a church, and you, and He's gathering us all together, and He's preparing us for the next His next move, and His next move is going to be a mighty move, Amen. And God's trying to gather those that are hurting. Those that need restoration, those that are in depression, God is restoring this generation. He has given Church of the Living Water the assignment to restore the, the, the next generation. Amen? And God's also told us that He was establishing this church. He's establishing this church. And because He's establishing this church, we need to follow everything that He's saying. Amen? God is trying to establish this church so so that we can be here and that we can stand the test of time. And these times that we're living in is a test of time. And God said, you need to make sure that you're establishing this point, that we have to be able to stand the test of time. So we need to do that. And, 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 and when we look at this passage of Scripture that we're going to, it's a familiar one that we have, been, we have taught from. But in Isaiah 62, go there, it's going to give us the understanding of the faithfulness of God. Back to where we said, stay focused. Just stay focused. Don't, don't get off because of that. Amen. So God is trying to establish this church so that we can be here and that we can stand the test of time. The familiar scripture that we're going to is Isaiah 62. And I'm already there, and I hope that you're there, because it's given us the understanding of the faithfulness of God. And we must see the faithfulness of God, especially in the times that we're in. It's important that we understand and we see 
the faithfulness of God. Now in the book of Isaiah, before we read that, you need to know that the book of Isaiah is a collection of sermons written by the prophet Isaiah. And it's written to Israel. These sermons was written to Israel because Israel was in a current condition. Like we're in a current condition. Our country, our nation, our lives are in a current condition. Now here, now listen to it. I'm telling you, it's the picture of us. Here in this, this is where Israel was. Israel was a divided nation. They strayed away from the will of God. They were in a time of corruption. And they were in desperate need of restoration. I think that sounds like us. I'll say it again. They were a divided nation. They were stayed all straight away from the will of God. They were in a time of corruption. And they were in desperate need of restoration. Amen. Desperate need. And in these scriptures, God is letting us know and letting them know, even though you all have done all of this, you, even though you're in despair, even though you are a divided nation, even though you strayed away from righteousness, Isaiah is letting them know that God said, but I'm still here to restore. And that's what God is speaking to our hearts today. And if you're out there listening, you need to grab a hold of this. And that way, while you're looking at the news and you're doing all those things, you can find hope because God said, I have, I'm, already, I, I'm already in the process of restoring you. I'm getting everything in position for restoration. Amen. So if you're in despair, and I'm, we are in despair, and our nation is divided, then we should know that. Amen. Now in Isaiah 62, beginning at verse 8, the scripture reads, The Lord has sworn by his right hand, and by the arm of his strength, Surely I will no more give thy corn to be meat for thine enemies, and the sons of the strangers shall not drink thy wine for the, for the which thou hast labored. But they that have gathered it shall eat it and praise the Lord. And they that have brought it together shall drink it in the courts of my holiness. Now, but this is what you're going to have to do to get that. Go through. Go through the gates, prepare ye the way of the people, cast up, cast up the highway, gather out stones, lift up a standard for the people. Now I know some of you might not understand what that means, but Church of Living Water, you should. We have done teaching on that. Now listen. Now this is what's happening. God is now letting the children of Israel know that all of their labor has, is not going to be in vain. I'm going to restore you. But you have something to do in the process of this restoration. Amen. And let me tell you, we've been working, you know, a lot of things that's been going on for years and years and years, but the enemy is constantly winning. And it's the same place in the church as a whole. We find ourselves just like Israel. And we're at that place, at that end of that place. And God said, now, because remember, don't ever forget what I told you so you will recognize it when it comes. Something else is coming. Amen. And so we know we've been working hard, you know, but it's like the adversary is always getting the victory. You know, we, it's like we're serving God and we're doing what we're doing. And it seems like 
people get sick and this is happening and people die and, and tragedies on the earth and tragedies here and tragedies there. We've been trying to bring our children, we, we think to ourselves, well I've been trying to bring my children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, God, and, and listen to this, and oftentimes young adults are not in place where God wants them to be and they're letting, and, 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 and it's the same, that's what's happening to us today. Young people, young adults, not in place, not where they should be, and there was the same thing with Israel. And God was letting them know through Isaiah that I have a promise for you as well. I said, look how good God is. How wonderful God is. You had better get this. And I'm going to show you why you don't get it. God is not going to allow us things to remain the way they are. I'm telling you now. God's not going to allow things to remain the way they are. But we have a responsibility to make a way for God's people. The ones that God is bringing in. The ones that are struggling, that are in. We have to make a way. We have to make a way for those who are living outside of the will of God. To, and the ones that are outside of the will of God, we got to make a way for them to come home. That is the church is telling, um, we've been telling them from time and time again, we have to remove every stumbling block to keep any child of God from coming home. We got to remove any, all of our inhibitions, all of what we think, all of what we want to sniff our nose up. And even if we're older, you know, young ones that have made mistakes, now we got a problem with it. And forgetting that when we were young making mistakes, we wanted people to have compassion on us. So now, but God said, I'm demanding that you have compassion. They need to come home. Amen. And we don't ever want to put a stumbling block to cause someone not to come home and miss the promises of God. We have to lift up a standard, the scriptures told us. We have to be an example of what we desire others to be. Whatever we want someone else to be, why don't we start being it first? Amen? We must make sure that we are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. We are that city that's set on the hill. We're the one that some people should be drawn to. It cannot be hidden. You cannot have a hidden light in darkness. We have to let our light so shine that men can see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. That is our responsibility. We have to make sure that we are the salt of the earth. And when the people who have lost, you know, and they're out of contact, and they're, they're out, you know, we can't lose our salt. we got to make sure I'm still salty. I'm still salty. So I can still give you something that can, can preserve you. We, God is calling us to that. Amen. And you know what? We need to understand that people are thirsty. They are thirsty. And what we, what we need to do is make sure. We, if we say we're the living water, we have it. We have what they need. You, we're not trying to get it. We have what they need. That's why God is calling us to restoration. If we didn't have it, he wouldn't could, could tell us to restore. We have what it takes to give you so that you can be restored. We must make sure that the gospel is not hid from those that are lost. The people that are, let me tell you, the people that can hide the gospel is the ones that have the gospel. <laughs> A person that don't have the gospel can't hide it. They don't have it. So it says that the gospel shouldn't be hidden. Well, it can only be hidden by someone that has it. 
So we have to make sure that our light is shining and that others can see. Whether sinner or saint, whether they're struggling, hurting, or, or, or just don't know God, the gospel will free them. We have to make sure that we're not hiding who God is. And we have to make sure that we're not hiding His goodness and His faithfulness. Yeah, but I know this, but I'm not. No, no, no. People need to see your goodness and your faithfulness. I don't care your personal feelings about a thing. God is not interested in your personal feelings about a thing. God said, I need them to see your goodness and your mercy. I don't care if they did something wrong. I don't care if they don't live like you live. I don't care if they have different thoughts that you do. I don't care if they go to a different church. God needs them to see your goodness and your faithfulness. Amen. Because we're not living our lives for us. You can't live your life the way you want to live it. You are bought with a price. Amen. The Bible teaches us that those that need to be restored can't hear without a preacher. Hmm. And when I say that, I'm not talking about someone in a robe and I'm not talking about someone behind this pulpit. Every one of us. I'm talking about us all going out, telling the good news, every one of us. You know, why can't every, you know, once we start dealing with titles, and I I posted something, I'm just going to say it here. If you need a title to have substance, you have nothing. If you need a title, if you have to be bishop or doctor this and that, and it's nothing wrong with education, get as much as you can. But if you need those things to have substance, you're empty. You don't need those things. So, so we don't have to, we're not waiting for someone with with a name to minister to someone. All of us. All of us are responsible to minister the good news of Jesus Christ. Church, it's time for us to be prepared in a way that that people will know and they'll be hungry for what they see in us. Amen? Now, this is now, again, title this message, Preparation for the Time That We Are In. Let me give you a statement before you, and, and you may have heard it, some of the statements you some you've, gonna be, you've heard and some are going to be new. But let's get it all together. Amen? Before God's next move, there's always going to be a time of preparation. So God has been preparing us, getting us ready. And, he, and I know you're tired of hearing it, but let me tell you, you've got to love preparation. Before God's made man, he prepared the earth, showing you I'll do it first. And then you come back and do the same. Before Joshua could lead the children out of Israel into the promised land, he had to prepare. Before Nehemiah rebuilt the walls, he had a time to prepare. Before Ezra could rebuild the worship at the temple, there was a time for preparation. There's always a time for preparation. Jesus himself, before he could... You know... Before Jesus could come, John the Baptist had to go and prepare. There's always a preparation. John the, it was essential that John the Baptist came first. There has to be a time of preparation for people. When John the Baptist came, it set up everybody to receive 
the Savior. Whether they did or not, but it was a setup that you would receive. That was a door. Even when Jesus came, there was a time of preparation in his life where he said he grew in wisdom, stature, and favor. It was all a time of preparation. We want everything just instantly, but there's always a time. Before he went to the cross, he prepared himself. He also, in the midst of preparing himself, prepared his disciples for what was coming. And then he said before he left, that I am, and while I'm going, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And then I'm going to come and receive you unto myself. Preparation. Very important. In other words, you can't get there when he said, I'm going to prepare, but you can't get there without some preparations. Whenever God wants to do something new, whenever He's starting a new dispensation, a new time, whenever things start to change, it's time for preparation. God wants to bring about an, uh, another move in this church. In Church of the Living Water. Now, he wants to bring a move of the church as a whole. But I'm dealing specifically with Church of the Living Water right now. But there has to be a time of preparation. Church, we have to learn to love preparation. Love it. I've learned over time in ministry, not very many people love uh, uh, preparation. Not many people love it. No, they don't. They don't even like it. <laughs> I have learned if you love to sing, listen, it's fine. I love to sing in the choir. The singing never gets people down. What gets people down is the rehearsal. If you ever want to see lose it, that's when the numbers drop, when you start talking about rehearsal. They don't want to rehearse. Nothing preparing for it. I just want to get up there. But that's one thing about our ministry that stands true and, our found, and that's in our foundation. You don't get up here and sing just because you just come up here and sing. We're not that desperate. You have to rehearse or you have to practice. Let me tell you, if that was the case, the whole, the whole church would, be up, would sing if they didn't have to go to rehearsal. If nobody had to go to rehearsal, let me tell you, I would love to play that piano. But guess what? I do not want nobody to sit down to me and tell me how to hold my hand, what letter. I just want to get up and if I could play it. But that's not the way it works. And people that can play it, that's because they rehearse and they have been prepared for it. But let me tell you, when you don't want to do that, you're not going to be prepared. So I don't care how much I look and say, ooh, I'd love to do that, I'd love to... Well, you don't have any preparation for that. Are you following me? Listen, you got to learn to love preparation. See, people like, they love performance. But they don't love preparation. They love performance. See, even even children, and you know, once they become, get in dance class and after a while, you know, they love dance and they love the recital. What they don't like is going to the class. Why? Because nobody sees me in class. And it's a lot of work where nobody sees me. It's a lot of things to do to get my body right that nobody sees me. I'm not too happy about that. Can't I just get on the stage and perform? We love that. Hmm. 
No, that's not the way it works. It never will work that way. How many of you know that as a result of preparation, God opens doors? That's why a lot of people and a lot of you, that's why you're not where you're supposed to be. That's why you're trying to skip the preparation and jump and do what you think God wants you to do. But you have to go through preparation. Are you with me? You, you gotta, everybody say, I need to love preparation. You have to love it. And oftentimes, note this, because then you'll understand and you won't get weary. Oftentimes, the preparation is longer than the execution. It's going to be longer. It's okay. But let me tell you, all the practice you do, if I was, if I was wanting to be on the piano and I would, I would have to practice, 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 before I get to the recital, and the recital would be ten minutes. And you'd be like, all of that preparation... And I just did Mary had a little lamb and sat down. Yeah, because why? Because preparation is important. Preparation is important. Make a note of this. Preparation requires participation. In other words, preparation requires that I get involved within the work. And I want you to know something. I'm not trying to prepare. I, this, is, this is my whole thought pattern. Every time I get up here, this is my whole thought pattern. I am trying my best to prepare a generation who will carry this church through to the next level, to the next move of God. That's my whole m mindset. But they're going to have to be prepared. And you cannot be prepared without being involved in the life of the church. I was listening to some people. Some, I was listening to someone. You know, I I have a Facebook page, and I and mostly all I do is minister on it. I rarely, rarely go to anyone else's page and stuff. And people might say, you know, she never says anything on my page because I rarely go to any other page. I just, I just, just stay my. And but then something will come up on my news feed, which is the news feed. And it'll just show different things because I'm friends with people. And then I'll happen to see it. And I heard uh, something said by somebody that belonged to our church. And they made a statement, and I'm not going to say it because I don't want, you know, I'm not going to say what they said, but they said something, and it was a worldly way of seeing everything. And I was just going to see how many people that was connected with them was going to throw in the Word of God. Somebody tried to throw in a little something, but they couldn't even come back on it. And I was like, you know what? All of this worldly way of making it, worldly way of thinking this is the way you're going to do this, and this is how you're going to do it, all of it's worldly. It'll never work. You're just going to work hard for nothing. You're going to work nine and ten jobs to get what somebody that put their faith in Christ, that's fully working in and got their hands on ministry, they're working one job to get while you're working nine. You're going to die before they do. Because you're taking it from a worldly standpoint. God's not required. But when you don't have your hands involved on the work, that's what you'll do. You'll have worldly answers for everything in your life. Your finances, your, your, you know, giving is, giving won't ever be a priority in your life. Because you think worldly. 
But anyway, I don't want to talk about that. We're gonna we're gonna move on. My main thing is showing you. Listen, if you can put your hands to the work, you need to slide over. Just slide over a little bit. Some of you are gonna have to adjust your attitudes a little bit because you can't prepare. You cannot prepare. You cannot take people where they need to be to the next move of God if you are in bondage with attitudes, if you're in bondage doing your own thing. You gotta be a participant in the work of God. Cause that's the way you're gonna balance out everything. Amen. If you're not actively involved with the plan of God, you cannot be prepared. How do you think that I became pastor? I didn't become pastor just because I was the pastor's wife. See, you have to have your hands to the work. You have to be a participant. I was a pastor before I stepped into that because I, my mind wasn't even there on that. God had to say, yep, that's what I'm doing. But he's like, this is what I've already prepared you for. Why? Because you're a participant in the work. Your hands is on the work. So you, some people think they can come in with no hands on the work and I have a gift. Well, you sit that gift in that package right down in a seat, follow the protocols, and put your hands to the work. Don't try to do anything else. Amen. And God told me when he showed me, he said, no, you were a participant in the work. And it was through my participation I got preparation. Preparation happened in my life. Even when I didn't know it was preparation, I was prepared for the next move of God. And so often we expect people to be prepared who not, we've not allowed to participate. See, that's just a church that's desperate. Just come on up here and do something. Come on up here and say a prayer. Come on up here and do it. They, they don't have their hands to the work. Just come on up here. You don't even know if they're ready. Just repeat something. So we must have an urgency to be prepared. Because oftentimes we hear word, the word preparation and we think relax. Oh, okay. No, you have to have an urgency to prepare. Listen, we have to prepare ourselves so that we can prepare others. You know, one of the weaknesses of this generation, one of the weaknesses of my generation, anywhere from 40 to 60-ish. Listen, every generation have weaknesses, first of all. Every generation. This generation, listen, struggles to prepare themselves. And that's a problem. And that's why God is staying right here. You're struggling to prepare yourself. So it is, this is what, this is what we need to understand. As long as you're gonna struggle with that, God is not going to be able to use you. You have to come away from that. You have to come away from struggling with being prepared if you're gonna be established. To get to a place where God wants you to be. And the way God wants you to be is right here, right now. Listen, listen. Some of us are looking at our grown children or our children that are almost grown. And you look at the young adults. We look at our nieces and we look at our nephews and we look at them. And we often say, you know, they need to get their life together. But guess what? They did not see you get your life together. 
You didn't have any preparation. Don't act like, okay, now they... No, no, no. You didn't have it together. Be okay with that because now you're getting it together. Some of you are still not right and you're wondering why you can't get them. You still haven't gotten yourself together. You're still struggling with things that you shouldn't be struggling with. Some things you shouldn't be struggling with. And those, and that's how this generation is doing. They're doing the same thing. We can't be judgmental of them because we have not. We can't be struggling with the ones uh, and, and, and disappointed with the ones coming behind us. We have not yet done what we're supposed to do in every area. Church, I want to make you to make a note of this. We are in un, we are always in an unrighteous position when we do not prepare. You're always going to be in an unrighteous position. A lack of preparation is sin. A lack of preparation is sin. Always remember this. Next is always coming and now is always ending. Next is always coming and now is always ending. When I'm not preparing for what's next, I am an unrighteous, I am in an unrighteous position. Because why? I am out of position. Again, if you're in elementary school and you're not preparing for middle school, you are in an unrighteous position. If you're in middle school and you're not preparing for high school, you're goofing off and you're playing around, you're in an unrighteous position. If you're in high school and, you're, and you don't know what you're going to do and you don't know, you're not preparing your life for after college, and you're in an unrighteous position. If you're a young adult, and you're not getting established with a good foundation, spiritually, naturally, financially, you're in an unrighteous position. I don't care. Listen, listen. I don't care what you. I I don't care what you think you have. I don't care what kind of job you have. I don't care about any of that. Uh, if you have not made preparations to get yourself right in those areas, you are in an unrighteous position. You have to position yourself. If I'm sitting in a premarital class and I'm not and, and we're having those every Sunday morning and I'm not getting prepared to be a husband or a wife, all I'm preparing for is just getting a husband. I just I'm just wanna get me a husband, get me a wife. I'm going to get me a husband, I'm getting a wife. You are in an unrighteous position, go get him. But just know that. Try to bring something home to you. Listen attentively. If I have children in the earth and I'm not preparing them, training them up in the nurturing and admonition of the Lord, Lord, you are in an unrighteous position. And what we need to realize is that many of us, many of the deficits that we have in our lives are simply because we don't realize that the, the failing that we do not to prepare. And it has made us unrighteous towards God. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So when I fail to prepare, I kill something that's coming next. Mm, that's good. When I fail to prepare, I kill something that's coming next. See, I want you to have an urgency about preparation. 
You sit around in church. How do you sit around in church year after year struggling with the same sin year after year after year after year? And I'm going to tell you how you do that. You do that and you go to church all those years with the same struggle because you are in an unrighteous position and you come to church. So you struggle year after year with the same thing, same foolishness. If you've been in this church for 12 months, let's just say 12 months, and you still haven't gotten over to something that your husband said or your wife said 12 months ago or three years ago, you still want counseling about something that happened there. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, if you've been struck, if you've been, I'll tell people all the time, you come to this church for one year, your life will change. You're going to run or you're going to sit here and say, oh, my life has changed. But if you sat here for three years and your spouse said, you, the reason why you can't get over it, you're in an unrighteous position. And you're staying right there, not moving. You're, un, you're unprepared for what God is going to do next. And there will always be a next. But you are unprepared for it. So my intent and goal is the same that's been a whole, the all year, is to make this church ready. This is the dispensation of preparation. But there's a thing that we have to understand. We are the church. And when I say make this church ready, I'm, I'm talking about a building. I'm not talking about just trying to have a mega church. or trying to. Some people, that's all that's in their head. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about each one of us individually. I want us to be ready for what God is going to do next. Ready. We must prepare. We must do our part. We must step into that. The purpose is to focus. God keeps bringing us back to that. Focus our attention on the work. Even in this pandemic, focus your attention on the work. And the work is to make a way for God's people. To make a way for God's people to be saved. To make a way for God's people to be healed, rebuilt, delivered, saved from all the strugglings. That's the work. People are hurting. They're hurting. Depression, especially in this time. They're struggling for a lack of peace. Struggling for a lack of joy. Some are struggling for... You know, some are struggling with natural success. That's amazing. They're struggling with natural success. But they're empty inside. And then we have those that are struggling with no natural success. Just on the inside. They're struggling from habits. But different bad behaviors, self-worth, self low, high, low self-esteem. People struggling with that. And they cannot sit position themselves to be prepared for God's next move. And I'm talking about in the body of Christ. I'm not talking about sinners. And so what do they do? In the body of Christ, they begin to look on the internet. They want to see who's going to give them thumbs up. Trying to find value. Okay, let me get on. Let me see him. Most importantly, they're crying out to God. And they ask, this is what they're really asking, is there any more to life than this? Is there anything else? 
Is it anything? I mean, can I have more than what I have? Is it any more? Is it more than what I wear? They're asking the question. Is it more to life than just living for the weekend? Do you know some people that's all they live for? And inside they're asking, is it more to that? Because Monday through Friday they're miserable. It's more to life than just trying to get matched up, trying to connect with somebody. Everybody has to connect. There's more to life than having a boyfriend and a girlfriend. There's more to life than going from relationship to relationship. Ooh, there's more to life than going from gender to gender, back to the gender Back to the gender, whatever gender it is, and well, do I want this gender or do I want that? It's more to life than that. That's chasing the feelings of your flesh. That's all that is. And it's more to life than that. But in your inside, you're crying out to a holy God. And guess what? We're sitting here with the answer. We're sitting here with the answer. We got the hope that they need. We just got to make sure that we are light that they can come to. Amen. They're empty inside. We're full. If you belong to me, you're full. You ought to be able to give out. We ought to position ourselves just for that. Amen. Now, we have to understand these people... And I'm talk again, I'm talking about in the body of Christ, young adults, this next generation that God is trying to restore. They're struggling with habits, addictions. They're struggling with switching from gender to gender. They're struggling with that. Not knowing what it's all about. Thinking it's okay. Why? Because society said it's okay. They're tired of going from bed to bed. Feeling empty. And after they get through in the bed, they cry themselves to sleep because they found out that wasn't the answer either. And we're sitting here with the answer. And there's people looking for the answer. But there's a disconnection from those of us who have the promise. That, that's the problem. There's a disconnection there. And we have to make the connection to those that need the promise. We have to make a way. We have to make a way for those who need the promise. Are you following me? God loves for us to come to a place where God desires. God said, I need them to be here. Our goal is simple, very simple. We want to establish the will of God. And I can break it, break it down in four simple ways, and I will in the next coming weeks. And they're, and, and they're all equally important. One is not more important than the other. When I talk about establishing the will of God, we want to establish the church. The church has, our church has been founded. Our founding pastor have founded it and founded it. And not only did he found it, he made a, I'm telling you, our platform and our, our, our ground is stable. Our foundation is stable. Now God said it's time to establish. It's time to establish. So we establish families. We establish the church because the church is made up of families. The church is not a building. It's made up of families. We want our families to be solid, to be stable. We want our families to have children. that We, we want all of them brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, all of the children. We want our children to grow up and glorify God 
in their lives. I don't care if they made mistakes or if they haven't. We want our children to glorify God in the in in their lives. Our families that reproduce God. We want our families to reproduce godliness every generation. See, we want our children's children to be godly. Did you hear me? We want all of our families. Some of our families, listen, some of our families are in such despair. We're looking at nieces and nephews and, and, and children and, and that, that's all out of the way. No, we want every family member to be strong. That's what makes up a strong church. A strong church is made up of strong families with values, with standards. We want to ensure generational success. See, we're always busy talking about generational curses. Let's talk about generational success. And that comes with us being in place and making sure that we're giving them what they need, that they're seeing it in our life, that we're ministering to them, that we're staying with the standard. That means that I can't take my children out of church, youth group, any part of church to play football, to play basketball, to do those things. You set a standard that you're going to regret later in life. It looks fine now. Let me tell you, you, you want a prophetic word? You want a word so it'll clear you up from doing all that foolishness? You don't have a pro player on your hands. Stop looking for somebody to make money for you. Nobody's going to make you rich. They're not even pro material. You're just blowing the wind. But what you don't see is the enemy behind it. You're going to regret it. When you let them do everything but things in the church. It's ridiculous for any youth to come in here and not even feel comfortable with the youth group because I don't have come. We belong to this church, but I don't really come, so I'm like... And I, you know what, you know, you want to know personally what I was thinking? So you can look, so I, so you won't think I talk behind your back. I'm the, you know personally what I think when I look at that child? I look in their eye and my, in my mind I'm thinking, your parents are so stupid. That's what I think. They are just stupid. I don't never blame a child because a child is going to go for whatever their parents are doing. And that's just crazy. But see, you don't understand the things of God. Don't, please don't talk to me about no things of God. You got to first learn to come to church. I ain't listening to no, listen, listen, listen. I'm not listening to anybody about nothing about the things of God. And you don't go to church to even learn. To even sit up under any authority to learn. And I'm not going to argue with you about scriptures you don't even know about. Something you heard. No. These are the things that's causing the next generation not to be in place. They're coming right behind you. They're seeing right behind you. And the same hard life you're having now, your children's going to have worse. Because times are getting worse. And you're setting them up for it. We're not going to be that at this church. We don't want to be that one hit wonder. We want to establish the will of God in our lives as individuals. Each one of us need to make sure that we have established what God's will is for our life. And watch this. 
I, listen to what I didn't say. I didn't say to know the will of God for our life. I said establish it. There's a difference. You can know a lot of things, but establish it, you know what that makes it? Nothing can move it. It's established. Part of the problem is you know, you know the will of God, but you're not established in it. We know exactly what God wants us to do. We know exactly how God wants us to do it. Exactly what God desires for you to accomplish. But you're not established. Hmm. This is how you do it. Sometimes we do it. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we are. Sometimes we're not. See, it's just back and forth. Because you're not established. Sometimes we're committed. Sometimes we're not. Some areas are good. Some areas are terrible. Not established. I have a simple objective. That we all go over and over our lives and begin the same way with what I'm teaching here. We're going to begin the same way. So that we can be ready for these periods of time. I want us all, everyone under the sound of my voice, all of us to go over. Each one of us go over our lives. And we're going to all start at the same place right here, right now. We need to know. Now, so write this down and this is what we're going to do. And uh, you know what? This is going to be good. We're going to, let's deal with this morning. How do I prepare in advance? How do I prepare in advance? In other words, ready and waiting. How do I? Ready and waiting. And listen, God don't care how you get there. He just wants when the door opens that you to be ready and waiting. But guess what? God has given you everything you need to be ready and waiting in advance. This is what I love about God so much. He always gives us everything in advance. It's never after the fact. It's never right there at the point. It's always in advance. He says, so prepare in advance. Are you with me? Oh, God. We need to teach. I'm going to teach you how to be ready to be used by God. In other words, God can't use you if you're not ready. I also want to teach us how to be ready to deal with the adversary or adversity. Because we realize that many of us, we're not ready to deal with the adversities of life. That's why we're falling all apart. I want to teach us how to make ready through advanced planning. You will never, write this down, you will never be prepared if you don't have a plan. You'll never be prepared if you don't have a plan. Now listen, because we're never going to get away from time, because remember God said he was going to deal with us about time. Write it down. Plans should have time attached to it. Has to. See, see, you're never going to be prepared without a plan, and the plan that you have has to have time attached to it. Because God only gives you a certain amount of time to get it done. It's not forever. 
Listen, a plan without attachment, uh, that, that, that don't have time attached to it, will not be accomplished. A plan without time attached to it, I promise you, it will not be accomplished. See, you shouldn't plan to grow without planning a time or time frame wherewith you should be grown. Ha! <laughs> we love to start the new year off and say where we're going to be. But where are you going to be? See, if you're going to say, okay, I'm going to make sure I'm going to grow, you need to put a time set on that. When I'm going to be grown. Are you in the, are, that's why most people are never accomplish it. You never accomplish all the stuff you plan because you never put a plan. So, so for year after year, you keep talking about what you're going to do because you don't put no time limit on. And so it's never accomplished because you have to attach time with a plan. You shouldn't have a plan. Uh, listen, you shouldn't have a plan to change without a time. And when you expect to be changed, I'm a change. When? You've been saying that year after year. And this is, this, this, this is what you say. I'm back, yeah, with the same mess. Because you didn't put a time on when you were going to change and then actual change. Because if you don't put a time limit on it, you'll go on and on and on. And you'll die that way. If I'm a change, okay, tell me when. Give me a time that you will be changed. Oh, this is a good one. You can't have a plan to get out of debt without putting a time on it. When are you going to get out? That's how you pay a credit card off and recharge it. Because you didn't put a time deal on it and say, I'm going to be out of debt right now. In three months, I'm going to be out. Guess what? Now, it's not just saying it. you got to put the effort in. Because in three months come and you're not out, you didn't put any effort in it. In that plan. It wasn't a plan. It was just something you said. So a plan without time is not a plan. So now all you fathers and mothers, when your children say, I'm going to do this, tell them when, tell me what time this is going to all happen. Hmm. Some of you said they, you plan to witness to a family member. It's been eight years now. Yeah, I have a plan to minister to him. If you you have to make time that you're going to make contact with him. If you're going to if you said you're going to going to witness to him, I got I got to minister to him. Oh, I know my cousin needs witness to him. I'm gonna get a chance. I'm gonna get a chance. See, never want to plan to make it happen. Oh, I know God already showed me this. My oh, my sister-in-law need the need 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 the Lord. No plan, no contact. Hmm. Every plan, there needs to be a time frame. You plan on college, there needs to be a time frame. Then I want to teach you how to 
be made ready by establishing the will of God. Now go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Now let's look at how we need to be ready in advance. Listen, I'm telling you, you better put the time frame on it. Church, we must be ready and prepared for God's next move in advance. Listen, we learned in another teaching that God's next move is always with a promise and a judgment. Always, remember, not in this series, we've taught it during the year, His promise is always, His always is going to be, His next move is always going to be with a promise and a judgment. And you say, that seems hard, that seems scary, you know, God's next move, you know, the will of God for my life, you know, we, uh, you know, so by default, God wants me, this, this is what I mean. A plan or judgment. Let's say God wants you here. <laughs> Let's take it a little further. Let's say God wants you at Church of the Living Water. But you're there. And his next move come. It's coming with a promise and a judgment. Because of what he told you and you didn't do. The judgment come here. See, the question is, why did that have to be a judgment? Why did that just... No, that's the wrong question to answer. The right question is answer. Why don't you be right? Not why does God have a judgment. He have a right to judge you. When he told you to do something. So why? 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 No, why aren't you right? Are you following me? It's not scary. Let me tell you how you always... You can, do, do you know you can prevent the judgment of God? There's a way to prevent the judgment of God. If you're always in His will, you ain't never got to be worried about the judgment of God. Because I'm always in His will. We just moving right along. It's when I'm outside... Of his will. His promise is sure. But judgment will come with it. If God said be here and you there, judgment's coming with it. Judgment is the consequence of not being right. Judgment is a consequence of not being right. Are you following me? You don't have to be judged by God. If you, if you just be right with God, why come? I, my question is, when you say, why is there judgment? I, my question is, why can't you be right? That's like, now, uh, you know, I, when I was writing these notes down, I, I got real kind of concerned. But God said, no, you stay right there. Because of what's happening in our society today. But listen, don't, don't look... What I'm about to say, see, get your head off of what happened to George Floyd, don't, what happened to all of them. See, you got to, because God's word is true no matter what's going on. So you say, why do I have to even be police? But now the idea is that you never have to ever deal with the police. The idea is that you don't have to ever go to court. The, uh, let me tell you, the goal is you don't never have to go to trial. 
That's the goal. And it's for the most part, if you st- for the most part, if you stay on the correct side of the law, chances are you won't go to court. But what about, no, no, hear me out. Don't leave and say, oh no, uh-uh, uh-uh, black lives matter. And they do. But you, I, I'm not teaching based on black lives matter. Because God don't teach his word like that. That's the world's system. That's the world's way. God is talking straight across the board. And I'm not picking a message to just go down that black alley. And I'm darker than you. I'm black. And I understand and I hate everything that's going on. I, I, it's, a, it's terrible. But the Word of God is true. So chances are, if you stay on the right side of the law, you won't go to court. Chances are, if you are having any interaction, if you're not having any interaction with any wrongdoing, listen, it diminishes you greatly to come in contact and be in the improper place with the wrong person or the wrong cop. But what? No, 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 no. It diminishes. What about the ones that don't fat? Listen! See, that's the problem. See, I hear your thoughts running. See, it's usually when you're breaking the laws, cheating the laws, or doing things that are not, things that you're not supposed to be doing, that brings you into a position of judgment. You know, you start off and you hear about it and, and, and all of a sudden they were doing nothing. And then as week goes on, you find out they did something to cause that to happen. And then, you know, because yeah, it's always something. I'm telling you, you better listen. You better not get caught up. God knows how to, pr- God knows how to keep you. So as a citizen, you should live in the fear of judgment. What you do is you live according to the law. Ah, see, but if you even get... See, you want to fight against the things of God. Laws are in place. Sure, there are bad police. Sure, there are racist police. But all of them are not racist. And all of them are not bad. I'm sorry. What about a person who falsely accused you? Listen, we don't live by the exception. We live by the rule. God's people don't live by the exception. We live by the rule. See, it's different in the kingdom. See, we're talking about citizenship now. We're talking about the kingdom life. We're not talking about living in these United States. There's a big difference. And let me tell you, people can rally you up and you'll start flowing out of that motion before you know it. And it's easy to do. But you've got to keep in mind who you are. And what rules and laws that govern you. 
And I can't see everybody because what? You know, it, it's no better than saying, if we say all police are bad, that's just like saying all black people are bad because one black person done something. That's just as wrong as rain on a 4th of July or a Juneteenth picnic. Just as wrong. Because it's not so. And see, I have to drag you out of that because we, we, we are, we've been bombarded with it. And we're angry about it. And we want to still say we're walking in love, but no, you're angry in your heart. You can say what you want. Let's be honest. We're being honest. Yes, there's bad mistreatment. Cops do bad and treat. Let me tell you, police do wrong things, of course. But there's two things we also have to understand. That is the exception. Now, if we be honest, Let's just talk about being honest. Get, put down the anger, the frustration. Let's just be honest. In most cases, not in all, but in most cases, where the police did something that they should not have done, they were responding to a person who did something that they were not supposed to do. I know, I know, but wait, wait, they, they didn't do, listen, I didn't say everyone, it's wrong for anybody to put their knee on your neck, it's wrong for anybody to shoot you while you're jogging, it, that's just wrong, but I'm talking about for the most part. Maybe in this country, let's just say for some part. Somebody's getting in trouble for something they're doing. Maybe they were running away from a crime they was did, and they got shot in the back. He didn't have no business shooting them in the back, but he didn't have any business running with the stealing. See, we got you got to balance it out. God, listen, you're never going to see anything from God's perspective if you keep listening to the world. You never. We got to see it like God is showing it to us. Now, listen, all of us, we, you know, everybody that's 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 been in trouble. It's not somebody just picking on them. Sometimes they did things that were bad or they were not supposed to do. Not saying anything about George Floyd. Get that all out of your head. I'm not teaching about George Floyd. I'm just teaching the Word of God. I know we're quiet, but it's true. It's true nevertheless. It always starts one way, and as the weeks to come, little by little, things come out. Hebrews chapter 11, God is talking to us about the fact that when we speak, we have to obey. Are you in Hebrews 11? Uh, let's begin at verse 7. Just this one scripture. By faith, nor being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear, 
prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Remember what we're talking about, how to be prepared in advance. Church, if we're going to be prepared in advance, it requires faith. Now listen, when I talk about faith, because this is all people that talk about faith and churches that talk about faith, I am not talking about name it and claim it. I'm not talking about decreeing and declaring. See, here's the thing. This is where we've been making mistakes. This is where we've been making mistakes, family. And I want you to get this. Because we've been making great mistakes. We have been trying to use our faith to get healed instead of using our faith to prepare for death. I'm going to let that sink in. We have been using our faith to be healed when we should be using our faith to prepare for death. I'm going to explain it. See, this is where we've been missing it. We've made a mistake. We've been trying to use our faith to be healed as if faith is uh, something you use like a credit card. Instead of living by faith to prepare for death. Why? Because the Bible says that it is appointed once for man to die. That's a surety. That is for sure. It's appointed for every man once to die. So I spend the next 15 years confessing life or I realize that the day is coming that I'm not going to be here. And I need to be preparing for that. Listen to me. And I want my house to be prepared for my absence. See, this is... My husband left it and, and this is what I plan to leave. See, my children, my children may not realize it, my grandchildren may not realize it, but guess what? It's coming a day that I won't be there. Oh, mom, don't talk like, listen! Every day, every day, Since September 1st, I have been preparing for my departure. And I will for the rest of my life. Because I have an understanding. Listen to me. You know why? Because I don't know the day of my departure. So I need to plan for it and prepare in advance. I don't know the hour of my departure. Now, I may and you may assume that I'm going to live a long time. And that you're going to live a long time. 
Maybe you're assuming, or maybe I'm assuming that one day we'll stand up here and say, Oh Lord, we're, we're, we're blessed to have our pastor here, and she's 90 years old. 80 years old. And we got deacons here, and they've been, they've been deacon here, they're 80 years old now, they're 90 years old now. Now we can assume that, but that may or may not happen. I'm talking about using your faith. In advance, that may or may not happen. That is not a guarantee that you're going to live to be 80 or 90. And, and it, it tickles me how some people, their bank, how long they're going to live according to the way their parents, how long their parents live. Don't be stupid. That's not promised to you. What I do understand is that I have to leave this place. And I understand that I don't know the time that I'm leaving this place. But I do understand that it is my responsibility and that I need to make sure that I'm ready in advance. So I live every day now as if departure can be any time. Departure can be any time. When I go, the things that I've done, the things that I've left, I want to leave them in such a way that my grandchildren are prepared to go to God's next move. See, I need this church in place because my grandchildren need a place to go. My great-grandchildren need a place to go. I see, I, my, that, that's my mindset. This church needs to be established when I go because my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, they need a, I won't always be here. See, there's nothing worse than once you die, your children scatter and do any or in every old thing. Because you didn't keep a stand. That's usually what happens to parents that just drag their children all around from church to church and don't have to go to church. That's usually what happens. They just, just end up with old shabby life. And guess what? Those that stay solid, even if your children made mistakes, that's okay. Just, just, the, the question is, are they walking with God? Because nobody's without mistakes. Or run into something or make wrong decisions. That's not the problem. The problem is, don't take your children to a place, take them all out of place where they're not even serving God. And you'd be like, I walk with God all my life, but my children and my grandchildren, they, all of a sudden, they, they didn't. Prepare in advance. See, at some point, my children, have to be prepared to live without me. That next is coming. We had to prepare to live without their dead. That next came and it came boom. So, and, and, and you know, and, and, and especially people of color, and they, they know, oh, I don't want to talk about it. No, 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 no. This is an assurity. 
See, having faith to be healed, you may or may not be healed on this side. But for sure, you're going to die. So that's what you need to be having faith for. Just keep your body as healthy as you can and do what you need to do as long as you can. But this body is not going to stay here. It's going to die. And let me tell you, whether they call it a heart attack, whether they call it whatever, your heart stops. Well, let me tell you, when your spirit leaves, your heart is going to stop. But you're going to die. So are you prepared to die? Is the question. This is your advance notice. My husband understood this. And he opened the Bible a long time ago. And he saw what the Word of God said. He's never seen the righteous forsaken. Or their seed begging bread. And I can say at the time of his departure, he prepared himself. And he left a legacy in me and my children. And all of his children, all two of his children, they're on their way to heaven. His grandchildren are being introduced to the things of God. His great-grandchildren will be introduced to the things of God. That's called prepared in advance. Using our faith to prepare in advance. Faith is confidence in what God said. See, not see, we don't want to just have faith for things that you want, but in everything He said. And when I have confidence in what God said, I will prepare based on what He said. So based on the fact that He said, it is appointed once for every man to die, I hinge my faith on that and I prepare in advance. You should never, ever be walking around here without life insurance. Why? Because you're going to die. That is crazy. That's why you see all of the GoFundMe pages. That's people that have not prepared in advance. You see on the you you see on social media the person that died and they have a picture of them and they whatever they were doing in life and they have money thrown out like they and throwing peace and they have money and they got a GoFundMe page no insurance when God has already said it is appointed once for every man to die you're going to die prepare in advance. Use your faith to prepare in advance. You don't use your money to go to TJ Maxx, to go to Nordstrom's, to go out of town when you don't have life insurance. How foolish is that? For you to sit around 
and die and wait for somebody else to pull money together just you. No preparation. I, when you die like that, I promise you, I don't even have to think about it. I don't even have to look at your life. Your life was never prepared. Nothing you did came to fruition because it's going to show in that. If you didn't prepare for that, you didn't prepare for nothing else. I would tell you, you're not walking in God's righteousness. You are in an unrighteous place. Here's three simple points. I'm out of time, but I'm going to give you this one point. And it comes out of this one verse. And I know the Bible, you know, the Bible is so rich, sometimes it only takes one verse. Sometimes it just takes one verse. To be ready in advance, I must take the warnings of God seriously. I must take the warning. Now listen, see, you, you, you're upset with me about what I said about police. You're upset with me what I said about your children. You're upset with me because I think you're stupid. You're upset with all of that. But listen, you had better take the warnings of God seriously. God gives us warnings of what is coming so that we can prepare to Often, too often. And this is the thing. This is why we don't do what God says. This is why we play around even with things at church. That's why we in and out. That's why we up and down. We take God's warning as a joke. You take God's warning as a joke. Mm, mm, mm. Listen. Actually, let's put it this way. We take God as a joke. We take his warnings as suggestions. See, that, 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 that makes it, that makes it. We take God as the joke. And everything he's warned us is a suggestion. Well, I, well, I know what she, she said, but I don't know if I'm going to do it or not. It's just a suggestion. No. God has no suggestions in his word. Well, he's, he has one that I know about. And that's where he said, I set before you life or death, bless or curse it. He said, but my suggestion is that you choose life. But you don't have to, just a suggestion. But I gave you what you need. But we take everything that God said, that's just a mere suggestion. Or as a, him as a joke. I got to learn to take God seriously. That's the only way you can prepare. That's personal. And as a church, we have to take the warnings of God seriously. And for the last few years, God has been warning us. I'm like, God, how good are you? You keep warning us. God has been warning us about the state of the church. And some of us still won't take it seriously. We just won't. Oh, yeah, pastor was on all the things, and now the other pastor, she's on all that. No, no. You have to take the warnings of God serious. When your parents tell you something, those are warnings from God. You think it's them. No, it's God. Take 
it seriously. You have to take it seriously. God has told us basically as for this church, we're fragile. We're in a fragile place. I found that pastors have been gone about a year and a half. We're in a fragile place. Let me tell you, we are in a fragile place. It's as easy for us to stop as it is to keep going. Fragile place. But we won't take it seriously. We won't focus enough to just take it seriously. When God, you know, God speaks things in our life. And those of you that are young and you've grown up in and around church and you've given your life to the Lord and you've given it here, when God speaks, He is warning you. Oh my God, get it. Get this. When your parents are speaking to you through the things of God, stop trying to make it about them. It's God warning you. You need to take it seriously. See, God is our Father. And God does for you what your parents do for you. Give you warnings. They give you warnings. And oftentimes, children will not take those warnings seriously. You try to tell them, no, stop, and be patient. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, you just don't want this. You don't want... You won't take it seriously. If you don't change, no, it's different with me. You had better stop. No, I'm a grown. I'm grown. If you don't learn, remember your parents said, you better learn from what I'm telling you. When your parents are saying something, when your parents is warning you, listen to me closely, young, especially young adults and teenagers and children, all of you, just listen, I want you to remember this before I close. Just remember this one thing. When your parents is saying something, they are saying something that you haven't seen, but they have. They are telling you something that you have not seen, but they have. Did you hear me? I'm going to stop right there. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.